friends, I'm Bonnie Keen. And I'm Nan Gurley. Pull up a chair and join us for a kitchen table conversation. We'd like to invite you to explore the lives of the women of the Bible. We know we're going to find encouragement and the faith we need to keep going. And there's always a place at the table for you. Here we go. The following episode was recorded in 2021, and we are excited to share it with you now. Also, if you'd like more information about the two-semester Bible studies based on the women in this podcast, please visit womenwhodaretobelieve.com. And one more thing, if you like the music you hear, it's taken from our musical and available to download on all of your favorite streaming platforms. I'm Nan. I'm Bonnie. We're We're Women women Who Dare to to believe. Believe. We are endlessly fascinated with women of faith who stood against the odds and trusted God and lived victoriously. And we wrote a musical called Women Who Dare to Believe and a Bible study Mm -hmm. based on these women's lives. In the musical, we played 21 women from Scripture, and we spent so much time researching these women that we just had to write a two-volume Bible study to go with the musical. (laughs) Well, it's now 2021. And after all of us have been adjusting to life after a worldwide pandemic, one of the things that Nan and I chose to do along with the study and the musical is to start this podcast. So welcome again to Women Who Dare to Believe podcast. We look at different women every time in scripture to see what we can discover about her that made her tick and why her story is included in the word of God. I love this woman we're looking at today. I love all of them. But because she was thought of as a harlot, a whore, and what God did with her life is just fascinating. And it's so encouraging. And I saw this thing today that went rolling by on one of those good news, like oh. things that make you feel, that make you laugh. Oh, give me some of that. We can all take some of that. <laughs> There's this precious little girl who's just started to learn how to write. Literally, she's just so proud of herself. And she's smiling at the camera. And she's got these beautiful curls, like dark curls. And she's holding up her whiteboard. And She's had her marker out, <laughs> and she's drawn all the people, you know, stick people of in her family in Aww. the little house. And she wrote, I, and her words, you can barely read, I love my, and then she went, whore family, exclamation point. You're like, <laughs> she's grinning, and, and the, underneath it, it said, she almost got it right. <laughs> she almost said whole family, but whore family. Aww. And it's so cute. And I thought, that could be one of Rahab's great-great-grandchildren. <laughs> I love my whore family, because <laughs> I think Rahab would have been okay. Okay with that. I do too. Doesn't what a like, difference one letter can one make. One letter made that all the difference. But um, <laughs> I just love Rahab. Who was Rahab? She was a whore. She made her living in a very, you know, crazy place in the red light district of Jericho, right. in ancient Jericho. But she was hand picked by God Almighty to be a key player in Israel's first battle. So <laughs> you would think that God would have chosen somebody else or anyone else but that. <laughs> but he did. He chose this woman. It gives me chills uh, to help the Israelites enter the promised land. Why her? How in the world did she end up becoming an ancestor listed in Matthew of Jesus Christ? We can't make this stuff up. Truth is always more interesting than fiction. And we're fascinated with women used by God whose lives were messed up and seemed hopeless. You know, dear listeners, you know the kind we mean, the people that we call losers, the ones we would not pick for anything except what? Shame and condemnation? You know, the kind of people we think God would only choose for punishment, but obviously God doesn't think the way we do. No. Thank goodness. I mean, Rahab steps into the pages of history and throws all of our self-righteous attitudes literally out the window. (laughs) She's living proof that someone we would think is hopelessly beyond redemption, but they never are. They're never beyond the reach of God's redeeming grace. No. Okay, so let's get context, okay? Okay. I I love context. 
Breaking news, the Bronze Age Beacon, 1405 BC. We are interrupting our programming right now to bring you an alert that's coming across the wires right now. Forgive us for any kind of confusion, but we wanted you to know that it is official. The citizens of I are being put on high terror alert. Again, our citizens are on high terror alert. The Israelite nation that attacked Jericho is now headed our direction. So as you know, on day seven, after a march around the city of Jericho, the horns blew from the Israelite nation and an unexplainable collapse of the city walls happened. We are in very close proximity to Jericho, so we are now being put on a high alert. Please be prepared to leave your homes at any moment. Also, let me look at this. Yes, um, we are seeing that there is an all points bulletin. Uh, information is, is being sought concerning the whereabouts of one of Jericho's most infamous and powerful CEOs, the owner of Rahab Incorporated. As I'm reading this, it says that there are unnamed sources that believe Rahab is the ringleader of this terrorist attack on Jericho. She and her family are the only suspected survivors. They're missing and presumed to be on the run. So there's an all-out military effort underway to find Rahab, who ran a very successful escort service. Um, they want to bring her in for questioning so that I can be spared a future attack from this rogue nation. They're also noting that, curiously, the house of Rahab is still standing on the short stretch of the north side of Jericho's wall. This portion of mud brick wall is still remaining there to the height of over eight feet. And also unexplainable is a ragged strand of dark red linen taken from the under the pile of rocks near Rahab's home. Interesting. But rest assured, I will not go quietly into the hands of this blustering nation. It will take more than shouting and the sound of the shofar to win a battle over our great city. I means ruined and heat. So we will definitely be looking to see that that is exactly what will be happening to the Hebrew nation. They will become a ruin and a heap. Stay tuned as we will bring you more updates as soon as we get them. Once again, I is on high terror alert. When did Rahab enter God's story? Where is she in the timeline? It's 1405 okay. BC. God's people have left Egypt 40 years previous. The wilderness wanderings are over and they're about to enter the promised land. Moses is dead. Joshua is now the national leader. And God has said to him, Joshua, be strong and courageous and enter the land. I'm with you. But there's one hitch. <laughs> this land you're about to enter is full of people who are mightier and stronger. Okay? They live in fortified cities. They have weapons and horses and armies. And I love this part. These these people are very tall. <laughs> <laughs> and they are wicked. Yeah. They worship the moon. They <clears throat> offer their children as burnt offerings to pagan idols. They're practicing all kinds of sexual perversions and religious and secular prostitution. And they're cruel and violent and they don't fear God at all. And the Israelites are about to face them. <laughs> yeah. So they stand on the edge of the land and they get really nervous. Are they, you know, what do they do? Do they move forward? Are they going to all be killed if they do? So Joshua as you said, was their leader. He decides before they do anything, they're going to send two spies into the city of Jericho as his first move so that these spies can scope out the situation, maybe right. see exactly what they're up against. And Jericho, the city was six to seven acres in size. And it was the oldest city in the world. Wow. It was heavily fortified by two walls that encircled the city. And this double wall thing made them feel invincible. And I'm sure they were in yeah. a lot of ways. And this, this double wall is fascinating to me. Let's just yeah. picture this. There is some 
green space between these two walls. There's enough space for people to live. Okay. I'm, I'm picturing it kind of like tent cities. But I mean, we looked this up when we were doing the, the writing the Bible study, and I remember seeing the pictures. But how high would it have been? It have been like well, the, the I don't I don't remember how high the walls were. They were you know high enough so that an enemy could not scale them easily, right. and they were high enough for houses to be built and attached to them. Okay, so huge walls, double walls, So there's, but people are in between the walls. They're living between them in houses, <clears throat> and this is where Rahab lived. She lived in this cramped, wow. kind of claustrophobic space between the outer wall and the inner wall. Wow. And this was a ghetto. Okay, so the poor people live there. The poorest people. This <clears throat> is not prime real estate. Mm-hmm. And the, these people um, who lived in this space used the outer wall as the back wall of their own houses. They would have been the first ones to be hit by an attack from Absolutely. An enemy. That would definitely be the poor people would have been the ones, the ghetto, the, the yeah. They the were under, the most vulnerable. The underdogs. The, mm-hmm. the underdogs. And the wealthier people would have lived in the center of the... Behind both behind walls. Behind both walls. Wow. Right. Yeah, the people living between the walls were the most vulnerable. I've never known this. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. really cool. Their their roofs were flat, and they could stand on them and walk along the rim of the outer wall. It was wide, and they could walk and along they could it. See. And they had a great view yeah. from there. So, okay, like you said, Mom, this space is not safe in a time of war. Mm-hmm. And if a battle is going to occur, the walls, of course, are the first place of attack, right. where the enemy will scale it and come in and take over. Wow. So Rahab lived in a house along that outer wall. Right. And she has, we don't know, we, we have no record of her having a husband. She could have been a widow. Um, she was most likely very poor and right. probably may have chosen prostitution as her only means of survival. Right. And, and Which is true today. As yeah. Well. Oh, yeah. And there were two kinds of prostitution. How do you know this? <laughs> Have you done your research on oh, this? Oh, I have. I have. <laughs> well, I don't understand. What do you mean? Okay, two kinds. There, okay. There's the common kind. Common prostitute, and then there's an upper class prostitute? Well, no. she's called a religious prostitute. Mm. He or she called a religious prostitute. In other words, these prostitutes, they're called cult prostitutes. They hung out at the pagan temples. And wow. as a form of idol worship, people would come and make an offering to this god and have sex with a cult prostitute as part Whoa. of their quote unquote worship. Wow. Okay. So sounds like a man's idea to me. <laughs> <laughs> so Rahab is not a religious or cult prostitute. She's a common prostitute. Yeah. And her house in the wall had a window. And this is going to become very important in our story that okay. she has a window. All right. all right. And she but she used her flat roof to lay out her flax and let it dry in the sun. So picture a rooftop covered with flax, okay. which is also going to be flax important. Flax is? You know, it's a grain right. that she would pound and turn into bread. Right, gotcha. And so uh, so picture the flax on top and uh, picture this flat roof and okay. this window. The flax cool. and the window are key players right. in this story, okay? Now, the Israelites are on the other side of the Jordan River. They're looking at this city with double walls and they're quaking in their boots. The people inside Jericho are watching Israel from their double walls and quaking in their boots. The Israelites are thinking, these people are too mighty. They're too heavily armed. They're too tall. (laughs) But the people in Jericho are thinking, we've heard about these people. They have a God who parts water for them and fights for them and kills their enemies. So while both sides are quaking, Rahab is thinking differently because she has faith. Not in the moon God. Rahab, this lady of the night, has heard rumors of a different kind of God. The God of Israel. A God who loves his people enough to rescue them from slavery, to make a path for them in the middle of the sea, to lead them with fire by night and a cloud by day. This is a God who is rumored to have 
have fed his people every morning right. for 40 years right. and given them shoes that don't wear out. She's thinking, whoa, this this God, I think I can trust this God. You know, when you were just going through that list of what she knew about God, it made me think about Rahab may have had all of our fairy tales and Disney stories waking something up in us mm-hmm. about wanting God. He saves, you know, there's the prince that saves the princess. There's the, you know, there's the evil that's defeated. And every one of those stories that quivers in us, you know, that we go, yes. oh, I love that because it's a reflection of what we were made to worship God with. You yeah. know, yeah. God is the God that loves you and takes you out of, rescues you. And kisses you and wakes you from sleep. kisses you and wakes you from sleep and makes a path for you in the middle of the sea. That's fantastical. Yeah, it is. There's a Yahweh God that does this. What? Their shoes don't wear out. He feeds, you know, food falls from heaven. It's, it's, it must have been for her. I just think about her um, having this faith and this fantastical, magical, but unbelievable God that she had that kind of faith. How did she know about him? How did she know these stories about him parting the sea? And well, there was a rumor mill. Yeah. I mean, their Twitter feed would have been. <laughs> About Israel's God was like, whoa. No kidding. And so this has been going on. These stories have been happening for 40 years. People have been spreading the word. Oral history is the way way it did it, right? That's right. It's being passed around. So somebody would have come into Jericho and said, man, you know, these people that are wandering out there in the wilderness, there's some crazy stuff happening. Crazy stuff happening. And she's heard about it. (laughs) Just love this. Yeah. Uh, so she's going to get to to test her theory about who this God is that that's taking care of yes, Israel. Because there is a knock at her door. <laughs> knock, knock. Two men have arrived and not looking for her usual services. <laughs> she welcomes these two spies sent out uh, from Joshua from Israel to go check out the place. They are honest and they tell her why they've come. And almost before she can decide whether or not she's going to help them, there's a drama. There's another knock at the door, and these are the king's men from Jericho that have come to the, arrest the Israeli spies. So Rahab quickly thinking on her feet, takes these guys up to the roof and hides them, like you said, under the flax that mm-hmm. she's laid out. And when she answers the door to greet those... The, the king's men. The king's men, yes. Right. And they demand that she hand over the spies. She basically goes, oh, you just missed them. <laughs> they just left at the city's gates right before they closed. I saw it. If you hurry, you can catch them. <laughs> and they believed her uh, and they left. Yeah. So this was a savvy woman who thought quickly on her feet was able to really think fast yeah. and to be very believable. Yeah. Um, just amazing to me. And who knows if she knew this king, the king's men from previous... She, well, they believed her. They sure did. And she had that window, Nan, that you described that looked out. She could have easily said, I saw them leave, you know. And she, yeah, she, she had did. a window on the outer wall. They, they would have believed that she would have seen them. Right. And she said, if you hurry, you can catch up to If you to hurry, them. yeah, go on right. and try. Mm-hmm. Right. So, <laughs> and then, lady. Okay, she closes the door, breathes a sigh of relief. Right. Goes up to the roof, and she has another conversation. She tells the spies the coast is clear, and then she makes this bargain. Here comes her, this, this. savvy, bold outsider, okay? Yes. The savvy, bold outsider. Outsider makes a deal. <laughs> she really with God's people. All right. Listen to Joshua two verses nine through eleven. And Rahab said to the men, "I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the people of the land have melted away before you. For we have heard. Here's the gossip mill. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and." 
Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And when we heard it, our hearts melted, and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. I mean, this is just so interesting. Totally is. She just prophesied over them. She did. And she confirmed God's prophetic words about yeah. the promised land. She doesn't know she's doing <clears> that. <throat> and she tells the spies she knows the Lord has given them the land. And she uses the name Yahweh, which is God's covenant name. How did she know that name? So when you're reading your Bibles, dear listeners, um, and you see the word Lord, L-O-R-D in all caps, that's the Hebrew name Yahweh. It's the name that God used to describe himself to Abraham as the promise keeper. So you can just substitute Yahweh for promise keeper every time you see the word <laughs> L-O-R-D in all caps. Yes, it's covenant the Lord. Yes, the promise keeping yeah. name. Uh, he gave this name to Abraham to show that he's going to stand by his word and keep his promise and never break his promise to Abraham's descendants. So Rahab's use of Yahweh is startling. She's Just a pagan. Amazing. How did she know this? She has been thinking mm-hmm. a long time about this God. Mm-hmm. And she's decided that he's trustworthy. By calling him Yahweh, it shows us that she has come to faith in Yahweh. That had to, to be astonishing for those spies. Yeah. To hear her use that word that was given them to right. them. They're the only ones that used it. Right. You know, And here she is. Here is this harlot woman. A pagan in a pagan land, a harlot calling on Yahweh. They had to be shocked. And speaking their history to them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so she, she hit these men and she lied for them. And in doing this and siding with them too against her own people, this also, just to make it even more fascinating, would it, this would have been an act of treason. Yeah. She was putting her life on the line. Absolutely putting her life on the line. Her testimony, like you said, which is just mind blowing, evidenced one of the most powerful conversions in the entire Bible. Right. And nobody preached to her. Nobody preached to her. Nobody. <laughs> no. This is this is God making himself clear yeah. to her yeah. heart, yeah. looking out that window, living between those walls. Yeah, she so decided she, that God, that Yahweh was her God, not the gods that she saw around her in Jericho. And she was willing to risk everything to help save God's people and through those spies. She was amazing. I know. So she uh, cleverly sends the messengers away in the wrong direction. <laughs> and then she makes her heart's desires clear to the spies. Now, previously, you know, she said, I know this about you and I know this about your God. Now, let me tell you. What I want. <laughs> what I want. I just love her spying. I do too. And and in the following verses, she makes them swear by Yahweh. By his name. By his name. That since I have dealt kindly with you, you will deal kindly with me and my whole family. And you swear to me that you will save my father and mother and brothers and sisters and deliver us from death when you come take our city. That is such a bold request. Yeah. Um, for all of us who live in a time when we hear that feminism is new, it is not <laughs> new. This is one of the strongest... Um, strongest women I could imagine ever. And in her culture, she would have been just trash. You know, I mean, she would have been looked at from any culture. Right. Living um, a life where, I guess, for her body, you know, selling her body would have been an ongoing danger. And she could have had all kinds of diseases she was opening herself up to or being killed for any reason. Or abused. Definitely abused. Just abused and abused. Yet this woman clearly knew who she was apart from that shame Mm -hmm. and that danger. And I wonder, Dan, if she was looking out her window, she said that their hearts melted in them of fear. But I wonder if her heart jumped a little bit with hope. Like, there come God's, there come Yahweh's people. 
people. Yeah. There are how many of them? A couple of million at right. this point? Right. Coming across toward their city. But she saw this as hope. I mean, I wonder. I mean, did she talk about it with her family, do you think? Because she asked I for their salvation. Do you think they talked together about Yahweh? I think she would have said, there's, there's these stories I hear about this God. Right. And he is loving and he is strong and he is mighty and these impossible things happen with him and his people. And you know what? God, I want to know those people. I do too. And you will. Yeah. <laughs> you will. Um, it, and here, here's another thing. What are the odds? <laughs> I know. That, yeah. What are the odds of these spies coming uh, to the one person of Jericho who believed in Yahweh? That was not random. There's not one random thing in the Word of God. Not one. And to the least likely person that you think he would lead them to. That's right. Rahab the whore harlot. Right. God. Loved God. Yes. Loved God. God is sovereign. And had the boldness to say, I want to be part of your community. Right. I'll do this for you if you'll do this for me. And my family. Yeah, she so, could have known state secrets, then. Oh. pillow. She, you mean from Pillow Talk? She could have known Pillow Talk state secrets. <laughs> she could have been sleeping with important men in power mm-hmm, in Jericho. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Jericho um, guards went to her house. She must have had some kind of reputation Okay, what were the spies? The what were the spies there to do? What do we know from the word that they, they were there, were to, there do? to check out the strength of the city, to look at the walls, I guess, to see who, who was inhabiting it? Uh, what else? Yes. They, they were going to report back to Joshua. This right. is how hard it's going to be, right? Right. There seen by folks on the street. They're noticed. Yeah, they were being outsiders, right? Right. They're seen coming to Rahab. They're seen going to the harlot's house. Uh But not for the reason most men usually did. (laughs) No. Um, I mean, and this this great act of boldness in which, like you said so well, she reached out from her conversion, she reached out for salvation. So not only does she want to be physically saved, which would have been just one thing, just get me out of here. She wants God to be her God. And uh, it's like she says, I want what you have inherited. Oh, yeah. I want what I've heard about you inheriting. I want this God who is all powerful and protects his people. It's so right. beautiful. It is. And to the credit of the spies, they they don't deny her. Mm-mm. They don't say, um, no, sorry, we can't share Yahweh with anyone who's not Hebrew. They, this is remarkable too. They offer her what God that's, offered them in Egypt, the covering of blood. That's beautiful to think about because she would have been unclean to them. What did they do to he, he could uh, easily, they could st- you know, easily say, no, I'm sorry, you're, you're under our law. You're unclean. They offered the covering of the blood. Yeah. So what happens next? They say to her, "Okay, you're making us swear. We'll swear. Our That's life, a great bargain. The it is strength on our, both sides. Our life for yours. If you don't tell why we've come, then when it comes about, when the Lord does give us the land, we will be faithful to you. Oh, and so much faith. Yeah. So we said, as we said, the back of her house is part of this outer wall of the city, and it has that window. Here comes the window. She lets them down by a rope through the window. I wonder how far they had to drop before they hit the ground. I know. I would love to know what this was like. I know. And so as as they're leaving, they say, I picture them one leg out the window, one leg still in. Right. They say, basically, uh, here's what you have to do. You have to tie this cord of scarlet in the window through which you let us down so that when we come to take the city, we'll see all our soldiers, all our people will see this scarlet cord in the window and we will spare everybody in your house, but you have to keep everybody in your house. They can't go out in the street. You'll be safe if you stay in this room with this red cord hanging from this window. Okay. (laughs) And she says, this just, well, the symbolism is huge. It it just blows me away. Mm -hmm. And, Basically, she says, you got it. Okay, it was a done deal. According <laughs> yeah. to your words, so be it. And so she sent them away, and she tied the scarlet cord in that window. Why this red cord? Why? What's I the symbolism? Love... I mean, oh my goodness, you guys. The word of God is 
is the greatest book of poetry that's ever yeah, been. And the, the blood of Christ is everywhere. These spies remembered the blood on the doorposts in Egypt on that night of that very first Passover, the, the blood of the lamb yeah. over the doorpost. And as the angel of death passed over Egypt, when it saw the blood of the lamb over their doorposts, it spared all of the firstborn of Israel. So the spies gave Rahab that same sign and protection. The scarlet cord was a symbol of the blood of the lamb of Jesus. Yeah. And if she covered herself with it, she would be spared as well. Right. In him, we are spared. So she hung that cord out the window of her house on the outer wall of Jericho. And when death approached the people of Jericho, the scarlet cord spared her and her family. The blood on the doorpost in Egypt and the scarlet cord in the window foreshadowed the blood of Christ on the cross. Mm-hmm which was given for to protect all of those found in him. The poetry, and the, the symmetry, the symbolism, all of it. It's, yeah, it's, the symetry. It's right, stunning. It's stunning. There's nothing random in scripture. Nothing random. Um, God is the ultimate poet. So she helps them escape, and she lets them down from her window by a rope. And then, can you imagine, the spies going back and saying, okay, guys, when you see a scarlet cord fall from this same window, this household we will save when when God gives us the city. Right. Yeah, when they got back, I can't. It's interesting to think about, you know, how people would have reacted when they went back to camp. Yeah, I mean, they're <laughs> safely back. They give the report. The people are like, "Yes," um, but then they go, "Who? She? Who? What?" I mean, <laughs> okay, all right. Scar- Rahab is the what? You went to whose house? <laughs> so, okay, let's use. How our, did you know? Yeah, that's right. Let's use our sanctified imaginations okay. for a moment. Okay. So, when the spies escaped and they go back to Joshua, what do you think would have been the response from the Hebrews after the battle? Um, the, the response from the Hebrews that after the battle, a prostitute was going to come live with them? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, if you're a woman, can you imagine how this info would have been huge fodder for gossip? This is unthinkable. This is unthinkable that God would, would have them delivered by a prostitute. They had to be saying, you did what? You knew where to go? And she yeah. did what? And she's coming here? To yeah. live with us? If you had a shred of self-righteousness in you, this would not have been good news to you. Or the fear of God, really, for them, because this would be... A prostitute was unclean. unclean oh, that's true. I unclean. didn't think about that. Yeah. No, you don't they, You don't embrace a prostitute. No, you stone, you stone a them. Pro- you stone prostitute. them. Right. So the grace of this, I mean, the spies stayed with them, really? And her name was... So she, they stayed at a harlot's house, you know. Can you imagine what was said to these guys, you know? Yeah, or, or the wives of the spies. The wives of the spies, perfect. At home that night, please tell me there is somewhere else you could have gone. <laughs> please. Right. You went there? And don't say you went there because you heard she had the best couscous in town either. <laughs> I know. Because they really weren't supposed to even touch you know, someone like that. No. They would have to go through all these Levitical cleansing, purifying, pur- purifying mm-hmm. things. The, the, the implications are huge here. Even if they brushed up against someone in a right. crowd like right. this, they would have been unclean and unable to go into the temple. Exactly. Let's see. Yeah. So if you come back and say, we're going to we're gonna take the city over, and, all, and the way we're going to do that is because of prostitute. And we're bringing her to live with us. she's going to come live with us. <laughs> would have sounded like hey, the spies had lost their mind. But do you know what this is a picture of? It's a picture of oh, God absolutely. saving the nations. Absolutely. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. nations. So this is a picture of God bringing in the Gentiles in the future. It's another picture of the poetry of God's salvation. It's just beautiful. So when we think, you know, it makes me think, you know, when we've lost sight of how deeply we all need grace. And if we have those moments of self-righteousness or pride, we don't want to go there. Because her story really reminds me of how when Jesus walked the earth, the people that really were the ones that caused him the most righteous anger, that he was the most upset 
or, or they were religious people who said, you know, you can't do this or that person can't come to you. Or um, and he would say, you know, woe to you, self-righteous hypocrites. You all need me. Well, why is it so hard for us to accept the people that God chooses? Why? I think they reflect. I mean, for me, I know personally, if the, the people that I get the most irritated with sometimes reflect the things that I don't like the most about myself. But um, those are the those are the things Jesus wants to, to pull out of us, you know, to yeah. say, you all need me equally. I came for all men to come to me, right. all women to come to me. And you don't want, I don't want to hear him say woe to you ever. No, I, I don't want him angry with me for yeah. being the, a, a self-righteous hypocrite. No. Uh, no. Trusting in my own goodness. No. So, did you in Sunday school? Did you grow up singing Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho? Uh, 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 Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, and the walls came a tumbling down. <laughs> yeah, round around that city seven times. That's right. And That's right. Then they blew the trumpets. the trumpets. They marched for seven days. On the seventh day, they marched around seven times. They blew the trumpets, and the walls literally fell forward and provided a ramp. This is the coolest. For the soldiers to walk right up in the city. It's just yeah, only God. It's so interesting to know that the archaeologists who have excavated Jericho found that indeed the wall seemed to have fallen in the exact same way the scriptures describe. It's awesome. Funny, huh? And they found a small por- I loved this. Small portion of the wall that did not fall and it faces north. Right. And Rahab's house along the outer wall would have faced north. All I can think of is the North Star. Yeah. God, her North Star. And the badlands for the Judean wilderness were where she told the spies to run and hide for three days before returning to their camp. This is the same area that Jesus referred to in the parable of the Good Samaritan on that dangerous road to Jericho. Yes. It's all ties together. This was that view that Rahab would have looked out at, at, out of her window every day from that wall, right. that one part that didn't fall. Right. Oh, So Rahab and her family stayed inside. Mm-hmm. Jericho was defeated. And Rahab and her whole family were welcomed into the people of God. And her life was mm-hmm. literally, you talk about reversals. Yes. And listen to this. Um, we can link this story and Rahab's salvation to the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter one. We read of a man named Salmon. Do you think it's pronounced Salmon? I think he'd want us to say Salmon. Salmon. (laughs) (laughs) And she became Rahab's husband. Yes. So, uh, not only was she accepted into this family, but there was a man named Salmon who wanted to marry her. Yes. It's and, so great. And talk about who he was again, because okay. he wasn't just a random guy either. No, 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 no. Okay, he was a prince, and he was the head of the tribe of Judah. That's who That's it was. Right. That's right, the head of a tribe. He was awesome. Mm-hmm. He was a big deal. So God honored her, not only by giving her this husband, and he went, are you right that he he would have brought her to a new place of respect by marrying her? Oh, no doubt. Eleva- an elevated I place for elevation. a woman to be married to a prince. To the prince of Judah, yeah. the tribe, tribe of, of Judah. Judah. See, that's not random. That's right. Jesus, the, Jesus. the lion of the lion tribe of Judah. Judah. This is all planned. Ugh. It's planned. It's rigged. And and it is. And and as we've often noted in studying this time in history, women that bore children were were seen as honored as well. Oh yeah. So God gave her a son. And who was her son? Her son was named Boaz. Let's look at him for a moment. He was a rock star. He was a rock star. And, and looking at his life tells us a lot about her character, I think. Oh, totally. Um, because we know the story of Boaz from the book of Ruth. We'll talk about her later on in the podcast. But he was Naomi's kinsman redeemer. Now, Boaz. what does that mean? Kinsman uh, well, redeemer. Well, uh, Ruth and Naomi, uh, her daughter-in-law, Naomi, Ruth, they, they were both widows. They were about to starve to death. Right. 
So when they entered the land, Boaz bought back Naomi's family land and saved her from poverty. He could do that because he was her kinsman. He was a kinsman redeemer. redeemer, Restorer. Oh, cool. Cool. A family kinsman redeemer. Yes. Is going to save her. So he married Ruth, who was a Moabite. She would have been like a no-no. Once again, we have another woman, Ruth, a Moabite, brought into the family of God. So she was an outsider. And redeemer. And they were not supposed to marry Moabites. They were not supposed to mingle, worship their gods. But she chose to stay with her mother-in-law and said, I am walking away from being a Moabite. I want to. What you have. Want to, just like Rahab. I want what you have. I want your God. So I'm sticking with my impoverished, starving mother-in-law. Widowed mother-in-law, yes. She could have gone back to her own people. But she saw something in Naomi. She saw Naomi's God. Yes, she She did. She said, I'm sticking with you. Even though it looks. God finds a way to to reveal himself. He does. Over and over again. Even in a depressed, Impossible a depressed widowed mother-in-law. Ruth saw Yahweh. Yahweh yes. Oh, gosh. Okay. So Boaz. Okay. Boaz looks at Ruth, sees her character, sees a worthy woman in need, and he helped her even though she's considered apart from the blessings of God. Right. So, but you know why Boaz could do it? It's because he had experience with this kind of thing. His own mother had been an outsider named Rahab the harlot. Yes. The mercy that he saw God extend to his mom. Right. Right. And her faith informed his life and who he chose as a wife. Right. Beautiful. It is. Boaz had to have known her story and who she, she had to have talked about it. This bold woman. She was born outside of the covenant, but then God used her for salvation. Yeah. And uh, he chose to marry Ruth. And by this act, Boaz identified himself with, of course, the kinsman redeemer, the kinsman redeemer, Jesus, who came to save people from all nations, all tongues, all tribes, all genders, all peoples. God honored the faithfulness of Boaz. And this is so fun, made him the great grandfather of King David. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's this tapestry mm-hmm. uh, woven with scarlet thread. Which is what we used in the musical right. so much. Right. Uh, so we've got Salmon, mm-hmm. Rahab, Boaz, Ruth. These are pictures of our God of grace reaching out to that person standing outside the covenant. And in this way, God aligns himself with the helpless. Yes. These women stood outside, but they were taken in and allowed to participate and became ancestors of Jesus himself. It's just so beautiful. Rahab, this Amorite woman. And a former prostitute and harlot was the great great grandmother of <laughs> King David. Take that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so when the Israelites talked about their stories to one another for generations to come, it's easy to imagine them having to bring up Rahab, but not as a harlot right. anymore, but as, as a wonderful woman in their history. Um, they would say that she's the one who sheltered despise and opened the door to the first military victory that they had in the promised land. She was walking courage, mm-hmm. and she dared to believe that Yahweh was the one true God, even though she had never been part of that covenant before. Mm-hmm. There would never have been a need to bring up her former career, but you know what? I think she might not have named it because, minded it, because in naming our history, our testimony, it tells of what God's glory has done to save us from it. Yeah. She might not have been embarrassed, but you know what? Why is it that we want to give labels and keep score? We want to, I don't know, we hang on to the bad stuff we know about ourselves and about other people. True. We are, we are slow to let go of the past. Right. And, um, you know, we need to ask God to give us new eyes to see people the way he sees them. And I, I fantasize about what it'll be like when <laughs> when I meet Rahab in heaven. It's like, am I going to say, oh, 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 I'm so glad to meet you. You're Rahab the heart. <laughs> the no. The heart. No, you're. <laughs> the, 
Pro- right, the pro- no, it's like the whole, no. no. <laughs> I mean, let's hope we don't say Absolutely. that. Absolutely, well, because basically, bottom line is, all of us have the heart of a harlot. This is true. We all are prostitutes who give our affections to idols, to idols that are lifeless and can do nothing for us. They're life sucking, you know. Yeah, we are all people that are built to love God, but often give our lives away to other things and other gods. So and you know what God calls that? Idolatry and death. He calls idolatry adultery. Adultery. Yeah, we we are we have no right to throw stones at anyone. No, certainly not at Rahab. So, um, so, so and watching what God has done. Yeah. So we can say if if I have trusted Christ, my past right. is covered. Right. Just like Rahab's, I have been given new life, a fresh start. Uh, God never leaves us where we are. Yes. He's into reversals. Yes, he He's is. He's into shaping and refining us till we look like Jesus. And he did it for Rahab, and he's still doing it now. Yes, he is. Every minute of every day. Amen. I mean, especially for any of us who have that, you know, secret place that we know of in our life that we think, I wonder if the blood covered that. Oh, you know, yeah. Um, her her story really teaches us never to write off anything in ourselves or anybody. Right. Never to lose hope for anyone, no matter what their life looks like or what they, um, how they condemn themselves. Right. Um, God looks at the heart, and He is a God of a classic reversal of what looks like a destiny to turn it around to His good and to His salvation. Yeah, I mean, Rahab, um, living in a ghetto, you know, between the walls, she would have been our least likely to succeed nominee. <laughs> it's the truth. Yet she saw God as her deliverer, and uh, she didn't have any idea that her heart's readiness to receive Yahweh would place her name Mm-hmm. In the genealogy of Jesus, the King of Kings. I mean, she could not have dreamed of this destiny back in that Jericho brothel. But um, it's the character of God to turn a desperate situation into a display of stunning mercy. Absolutely. I'm thinking of of the scripture in Ephesians that says he wants more for us than we can ask, dream, or imagine. Think of her looking out the windows on the worst nights for her in the wall and wondering what that if she could ever find the that love of that God she'd heard about. And what he had for her was way beyond just finding his love. It's like, let me just birth my son through your lineage. Ah. Much more than we would ever imagine. So, okay, if I'm in the thick middle of a desperate situation in my life, yeah. what am I supposed to learn from Rahab here, Bon? If I'm longing for deliverance from something, if I'm longing he knows it. For a reversal in my life of a sin pattern or a desperate relationship that's just not changing. What do I take from Rahab here if I am looking out a window at the bad lands of Judea Yeah, and thinking, yeah. where is Yahweh in this moment? What am I supposed to take from Rahab? Or, or do you think you're going to have to work your way? That's, you know, a lot of what a lot of us feel I've got to earn it. Right. This is a perfect story of saying no one earns my favor. I see you. I know where you are. And I, God's saying, I give the grace for you to have faith to believe. And I'll give you more than you dream. And I'll give you more than you dreamed possible. And it really mm. reminds me of this wonderful book by Brennan Manning. Um, it's called Ragamuffin Gospel. Oh, yeah. It's a classic. It's a classic. And he describes who he thinks he will see. Oh, read it. Read it to um, our, so lyric, cool. our okay. listeners will love just, it. Um, this is the words of Brendan Manning. Because salvation is by grace through faith, I believe that among the countless number of people standing in front of the throne and in front of the Lamb, dressed in white robes and holding palms in their hands, I see the prostitute from the Kit Kat Ranch 
in Carson City, Nevada, who tearfully told me that she could find no other employment to support her two-year-old son. I shall see the woman who had an abortion and is haunted by guilt and remorse, but did the best she could, faced with grueling alternatives. I'll see the businessman, besieged with debt, who sold his integrity in a series of desperate transactions. The insecure clergyman, addicted to being liked, who never challenged his people from the pulpit, but he longed for unconditional love. The sexually abused teen, molested by his father, who now sells his body on the street. But as he falls asleep each night after his last trick, whispers the name of the unknown God he heard about in Sunday school. But how, we ask? Then the voice says, they have washed their robes and have made them white in the blood of the Lamb. There they are. There we are. The multitude who so wanted to be faithful, who at times got defeated, soiled by life, bested by trials, wearing the bloodied garments of life's tribulations, but through it all clung to faith. My friends, he writes, if this is not good news to you, you have never understood the gospel of grace. Hmm. Rahab reminds me of the gospel of grace. Folks, if you want this book, it's Brennan Manning's book. The Ragamuffin Gospel, Good News for the Bedraggled. So, dear, precious women who dare to believe, if you feel that your faith is not enough to please God, remember Rahab's mustard seed of faith. And her works were not, there were no works. Mm -mm. She had no (laughs) works to offer him. If you feel your works will make him love you, remember Rahab's job description. Prostitute in a ghetto, living between the walls. Dare to believe God. And look what happened. And look what happened. So, in the spirit of Jonathan Edwards, yes, Bond, let's do our resolve. what can be, we be resolved <clears throat> to do looking at Rahab? When I look at Rahab and I think about Brennan Manning's quote, I'm reminded that no one is beyond the saving grace of God. And I want to remember that every day. All right. Let's, uh, let's let that be our okay. resolution. You ready? Resolved. Uh, resolved. I will dare to believe that no no one one is beyond beyond the saving grace of God. God. Our prayer for you and together is that, Lord, we believe that you are working in all the lives of those you call in unseen ways and impossible places. And through the trial and tribulation and tears and desperation, Lord, you are calling them to yourself. You are truly the one and only God of reversals. In the name of Jesus and by his saving scarlet blood and that thread that runs through our lives and the lives in the history of this world, we say amen and amen, amen and, amen. and amen. amen. And we want to leave you with um, this really beautiful song that Nan sang in our musical as Rahab. And she's taking that scarlet cord and she's aligning herself by her faith and just her faith alone by the saving grace of God. She's tying that scarlet cord in her window. We hope you enjoy this. I have heard of your God. I have heard of his power. Seas parting, worlds changing all around. At the move of his hand, Walls fall down, kings and kingdoms bend their knee, fearful faces to the ground. So hear my prayer, I too seek his mercy, I'll do
a scarlet cord to reveal your God is God I'll tie a scarlet cord tie a scarlet cord in my window tie a scarlet cord to reveal your God is my God I'll tie a scarlet cord Listeners, join us next time when we look at the juicy soap opera life of Tamar, wife of Judah. If you like what you heard today, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Women Who Dare to Believe. If you'd like to know more about our Bible studies, our music, and performances, check out our website at womenwhodaretobelieve.com. We want to thank some special people whose help made this podcast possible. Thank you, James Hollihand, the brilliant producer of our musical. And thank you, Michelle Marciata, the editor and producer of this podcast. And thank you, Wayne Gurley, for helping us from the very beginning to make this dream a reality. And thank you to the best audience anywhere, women who dare to believe. <laughs> 